Welcome to Awakening Divine Wildness, hosted by inspirational speaker and best-selling author, Mal Duane. Mal invites you to embrace your divine wildness with powerful conversations with visionary women. Listen in and learn how to move from pain and heartache to forgiveness and freedom so you can live the life you deserve. Welcome to Awakening Divine Wildness. And today I am so excited to be graced by the presence of Michelle Mercier. She has created an online community, a sacred container for women who want to live honestly. And her beautiful tribe is called Create Honesty. I think that says it all. Michelle actually began her career in arts and humanities as an administrator, artist, and teacher. She was featured in multiple media outlets for her work in producing musicals in Boston and received her MS from Boston University in Arts Administration, a nonprofit management. Michelle decided to make the jump to the corporate world, and she's worked with such companies as eBay and PayPal, Bed Bath & Beyond, Citizens Bank. She always exceeded her expectations in her corporate roles, climbing quickly up that ladder, but was never quite satisfied within her heart. Michelle made the difficult decision to walk away from a very high-paying <laughs> career to follow her dream of helping, inspiring, honesty, creativity, and a better way of living for all of us. The rest is history. But how I met Michelle was one of the best events I've gone to in the past year. She brought the movie Embrace, which deals with body image and the problems that we all have. That documentary was made, produced by Taryn Brumfit. And if you haven't seen it, you have got to go and see this movie. It's an eye opener. I was in tears at points in the film because I identified so much with what those women struggled with. And I know, Michelle, you, you have too. And that's what really has motivated us to connect, to do this interview, and to bring that message to women about you're beautiful just the way you are. So thank you so much for gracing me with your presence today. You know I love you. I love you too. Thank you. <laughs> and I want to go deep with you. Yeah. What are your wounds? What is your pain that started Create Honesty? Oh, goodness, so much. <laughs> you have to go into the fire at some point and come out, right? Um, so I think it, it, if I had to be honest, it probably started years ago. You know, I grew up a childhood, like just call myself a child of chaos um, with an addict father. And my way of coping with life was to get busy and to run a million miles an hour and also to overachieve to be the hero, to, um, you know, there's no problem too big or too small that I couldn't conquer. But unfortunately, when you go through about 30 years of that, it burns you out. So I think my, my final um, pain was caused from, 
So I'd had two children that had serious medical issues, um, a pregnancy for my second one that was relatively traumatic and extremely difficult. Um, and then, you know, right as I got my second child medically stable, I was laid off from my job. Um, and I, and I like to call that moment, you know, the floor moment that a lot of people speak about when they say usually it's on the bathroom floor and mine was on my kitchen floor when, you know, I, I just crumbled. There was, there was nothing else I could take on. I just waved the white flag at the universe, as I like to say. Um, and I listened. I listened probably for the first time in a long time to what the universe had to say. And it was almost like, you know, you can keep running, but we are at the point where, as the universe, we're going to stop you in what you're doing. Enough is enough. You are done. <laughs> so at that moment, on my kitchen floor, um, with, mind you, my son crying in the background, me crying with him, <laughs> I think at that point, um, I just put my hands up and said, all right, I'm done. I hear you. I will respect you in your wishes, universe. And I just knew there needed to be a change from that point on. I had no idea what that change would be. Um, and I did not realize how painful it would be to change um, or how difficult, but I knew it had to happen at that point. You and I both believe in the law of attraction. And you're mm -hmm. one of those women that takes 100% responsibility for what she's doing, just like mm -hmm. myself. Yes. Yeah. So I, I, I think we both believe that whatever happens in our lives, we manifest in some way. So there was something mm -hmm. within you that was calling you to change your path. And oh, yeah. you had to crash and burn in order to get there. And the same thing for me, you know, with my alcoholism, my, my addiction and my depression. I had to crash and burn to get right. to, to that fork in the road where I say, no, I'm not doing that one anymore. Right. It's time to take a turn. Yeah, and I mean, the interesting thing is one of my favorite quotes, and I say it, I say it all the time to my father who is, you know, a recovering addict. I say it to everyone I know is, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. But what I didn't understand was I was doing that. I was doing that until I physically and mentally just couldn't do it anymore. Until, like you said, I crashed and burned. But, you know, you come out of the fire, a new person. <laughs> so... What were your first steps in creating honesty, getting involved in bringing this film to the Boston area, putting on that wonderful event at the theater where we were all we were all being so raw and so honest that night and putting our intentions on boards and, and filling out I am beautiful and why we thought we were beautiful. I mean, it was very touching. So what were the yeah. first steps in getting you into Create Honesty? Oh, goodness. Now it was painful <laughs> because, um, you know, it was stopping, I think. And that sounds like such a simple step to stop the movement and stop the, the rat race. And, you know, you're just kind of in a wheel constantly. Um, but it's also one of the hardest things to do if you have been going a million miles an hour. And if you are, in my case, I like to think of myself as an, as an addict in, in the sense of I'm addicted to work. <laughs> um, I'm addicted to a little bit of escapism in a bad way. Um, so my first step to getting to my honest self was to stop. 
Um, and I recall having lunch with a friend around the time that I started all this. I think you and I have spoken about this. And she said, you know, I'm going to give you till next December to deprogram yourself. And of course, me being the overachiever, I was like, I got this shit in like two weeks. Don't you worry. <laughs> um, yeah. But no, I didn't. And I had to sit in the silence. And sometimes the scariest place you can be is in your own head. So, you know, when I was moving down the path of starting to create honesty, all I knew was I wanted to I wanted to build this thing that could allow me to keep myself in check and not go down a rabbit hole to being something that I thought I should be. And I wanted to do that for other women and other just people in general. So I started, you know, by putting out my first blog and I just basically told a similar story as to what I just told you. And when I put it out there, you know, you hit send and you go, <gasps> like you have that heart attack when you're putting yourself out there so raw. Um, but the course of Me Too's that I got back was absolutely amazing. So the more I started speaking my truth, the more, you know, people that I'd known for years would come to me and speak theirs right back. Things that I didn't even know about them, which was so, you know, so amazing. And I felt very privileged. And I still do to, you know, stand next to these people while they speak their truths. And then, you know, I went through about the summer and there were a lot of hard times, a lot of ups and downs, a lot of me making sure that um, what I was doing was authentic. And I think it was, took me about three months into it and I had an aha moment. I remember driving in the car and I was thinking of something nice I was going to do for somebody. And I remember stopping and pausing and saying, wow, I think it's been years since I made a decision to do something for somebody without an agenda behind it or without some sort of motive. Um, just from being in the corporate landscape, you just, you know, it's a little bit cutthroat. So you are always scheming and you're always kind of plotting. Not everybody, but at least I had turned into that person. So that was a big step for me as well, is to get to my authenticity, find my creativity again. And then I saw the preview for Embrace pop up. And I had spoken a lot over the summer Especially, you know, it's bathing suit season and I have two little ones and I was determined for myself to be comfortable um, and be able to play with them. No matter where I was, 90 degrees, whatever, I wanted to put a bathing suit on. But I was so uncomfortable and so were so many women around me. But when I saw the trailer for Embrace, it was the first time I'd seen a message that was like, it is okay. It's okay to look however you look and respect yourself from top to bottom, no matter what size. So when I saw that, you know, I said, okay, let's leap, leap again, make a second leap here, Michelle. Um, and I chose to host it. And at first we had to get, I think it was 60 tickets sold. And I was like, I don't know how I'm doing this. You know, <laughs> I, I don't know how to sell a movie theater, um, sell out a movie theater, but I did. And we had over 200 women in that movie theater. And that night for me, was emotional on so many different levels. Like you said, the movie itself um, spoke so many truths, so many things that I think we as women have as in our dialogue every day in our head. Um, as well as for me, it was the first kind of coming out, I guess, with my new company and proving to myself that I could do it. I could do something amazing like that and bring all these women together um, and, you know, for honest discussions. So, yeah. That's kind of the journey in a nutshell. Body image is, it can be like a cancer to our soul. But it's just something that we are set up by society to believe that there is a standard 
something that we all strive to try to look like. Mm -hmm. And media does this. And all the ads we look at and the TV and the branding. And then there are people that just make their living off of this, like the Kardashians and this one and that one. They create this image that young women today think, well, that's what I want to look like. And no one's ever going to look like that unless you invest hundreds of thousands of dollars having your body put into that type of condition, Mm -hmm. having implants and places I never knew they could put them. (laughs) I know, I know. (laughs) I mean, and so it's not real. It's not real. They're not real. That image is not real. And people, real people don't live like that or look like that. They don't. You're absolutely right. And right now I've been interviewing different women and speaking to them about, you know, body image and kind of trying to redefine the word beauty. And, you know, I've spoken to about you know 10 or 15 women so far and interviewed, and every single one of them has a story, either whether it's the media or whether it is one kid from second grade or third grade that insulted them about their looks, and they still carry that with them today. Um you know, it's just amazes me. I mean, the stories are different, but we're all the same in the fact that it still impacts us. And I always ask the question, you know, would you would you feel differently if you had seen all different types of bodies in the media? Um, and they all say yes. Yeah. And I also ask the question, please give me a time within your life where you felt like beautiful, like without an inner dialogue, without anything like that. And I've had numerous women say, I can't do that. Next which... Yeah, not even one. Some will say their wedding day, and I and I tend to disqualify that. They <laughs> say just an everyday moment, and they can't give it to me. I shared with you that as a young woman, I was too thin. Yeah. Too skinny. Mm-hmm. And I was called malnutrition <laughs> and malfunction. And my feet aren't even that big, and, and someone even nicknamed me the Celtic. I mean, it went on and on. And those words stayed with me for a very, very long time. Those insults, that bullying, it took years for me to recover from that. And it was part of the reason why I drank. Because I had no sense of self-worth. I felt like a freak Mm -hmm. compared to my friends. So the only way I felt good about myself was to dull the pain. And the alcohol did that. It did it for a while. But then Mm -hmm. it didn't work anymore. So that's when I had to come up with an alternative. And the alternative was to really take a good look in the mirror and see who was yeah. there. Yeah. And it wasn't a freak. No, it's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what people do, though. They run. They run until they hit the wall. And I did the same exact thing as you're mentioning, but I just did it through work or you know, accomplishments that look good on paper. But when I had to, to your point, really take a look in the mirror, that's a scary thing to do. And... You know, so people just keep running. But if they just slow down long enough to look and really look at the beauty that is in front of them, um, it's amazing. You know, and you're right. We're all different shapes and sizes. And just because you're skinny doesn't mean you're not getting to your point, the the bullying. And if you're fat, you're getting, you're just getting a different type of bullying and a different type of inner dialogue. How do we enforce in young women today, because I think it our responsibility now, having gone through what we've gone through, I know for me, I am so passionate about making sure that this doesn't happen to the 
young women of today, the teenagers of today, right. what I can do to reinforce in them that they are beautiful just the way they are. There are videos that have been posted to Facebook that are on YouTube of women, young women, 14, 15, 16, who are saying they're ugly, they want to die, they have nothing to live for. And what I saw one once, I burst into tears and I said, how can, how can a, today a mom not know that a child is going through that? You know, I mean, people, we've got to wake up, we've got to be paying attention, we've got to be monitoring these children to see that they are suffering. What what can parents do to tap into that so that they can help their child and reinforce self-worth? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a difficult question, right? Because there's so many influencers outside a parent's reach, right? I mean, even for me, my son is four years old, but he's already coming home with the, the terminology, you know, the boy terminology versus the girl. This is a boy color. This is a girl color. This is this. And it makes my head spin because he's four and he sees this and they all take it in. So I think that the key is to, to start the conversations a lot earlier. I think what may be taking parents by surprise nowadays is, for me, these things weren't necessarily issues until you hit middle school. But for some of these girls, I just interviewed a girl the other day, and she was on a diet in kindergarten. <laughs> so That says something. Yeah, I mean, the poor thing. <laughs> um, how does, you know, how does well, a kid in kindergarten know how to diet? I mean, you know? She did. Um, but again, that's, that's something that's taught. So, and again, that mother probably was doing the best she had, she could with the information she was given. So as parents nowadays, we have more information at our fingertips. We know that, I think one of the statistics I just read, I can't remember the exact number, but young girls would rather get cancer, um, deal with nuclear war, or lose a parent than be fat. I mean, things like that. Parents need to educate themselves so they can start the conversation a lot earlier. And it's a fine line because you don't, you have to know your child so you're not introducing these concepts into their head when they're not even thinking about it yet. You know, so for example, the Barbies with the labels on them that say petite or curvy Barbie or this or that. Sometimes kids are just playing with dolls. They're not thinking about the size. So you have to watch that because... If you introduce that conversation, then the kid's thinking about it. So you just need to really pay attention, tune into your kid, and have the right conversations when they're mentally there. Um, I mean, that's the best you can do, I feel like, nowadays. Use the information we got. There's a lot happening with the use of cell phones with these young people, with the use yeah. of social media, with texting, sexting, Snapchatting, all of that, yeah. where they're tormenting one another. And I don't think that that activity is being monitored. And yeah. by, you know, parents are, are not paying attention. I see that. And to me, that's very troublesome because if you took your child's phone, and not that you're trying to invade their privacy, but you're trying to monitor their safety. Right. I think there's a difference and you need to explain that to somebody that's young, that's in middle school, that's in late elementary, going into middle school. I'm not invading your privacy. I'm monitoring your safety. I want to see who's communicating with you and what they're saying to you. Because mm -hmm. what they may be saying and interpreting or, or their opinions are, right. are totally wrong. 
And I don't want you to buy into that. I don't want right. you to believe that that's your truth because it's not. That's about them, Susie or Mary or whatever. That's right. not about you. Yeah. And I know for me, God bless my mom, she was a wonderful woman. We didn't have cell phones and all of that then. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think she was aware that I really suffered as much for being so tall and being so thin. Mm-hmm. So she, she probably just saw you as beautiful. Yeah, you know, she did not pick up on the fact that I was really frustrated. Um, that I felt so left out in in situations. Okay. She even I can remember buying a bathing suit to me in the for the summer was like my worst nightmare uh, because right? I was so flat chested and. She'd say, well, don't worry about that. We're just going to put something in it and nobody will know. But I, I'd be in the harbor bouncing in the water because <laughs> I had so, so much foam rubber in my suit. I was like a, I was like a, a marker, you know. Right. I couldn't sink if I wanted to. And she'd be like, yeah. nobody knows. Oh, really? I mean, you know. I've no, but I mean, instead, it should have been like, we're not going to try to fix it. Right. You're going to embrace it. To quote Rip you're literally going and, to just take what you are and be beautiful for what you are and shut up, yeah. other kids. <laughs> no, and, and she thought that that was the right approach. Well, you know, fill right. the suit, but it wasn't. Uh, right. I, you know, let me be flat. Let me be proud of it, whatever. You know, I was yeah. a late bloomer. Um, yeah. And I just remember that, how I tormented I was in the summertime because I'd have to come out in a swimsuit. I'm going to send you a picture that I found yesterday because, you know, we were going to talk about body image. And I said I had a photograph of me in a bathing suit. You're just, you're just not going to believe it when you see it, the, the size of me. I'm like twigs. That's crazy. And I mean, you know, going back to what you mentioned about technology, I think it's challenging for parents, too, because the kids know more about technology. You know, so as a parent, you have to be very much on top of the latest technology and the latest apps and the latest workarounds. You know, some of these kids can code better than developers that I used to work with. You know, They're, they get paid a lot of money to do it and they're amazing, but these kids can code around it, you know, because they grew up with it. They don't know an existence without it. Um, so it's a fine line. Again, it goes back to educating yourself. You know, what tools can you put in place? What boundaries can you set? You don't need to be their friend, but you do need to, again, walk a fine line between, you know, discipline and keeping an open line of communication, which is extremely hard, especially with teenagers. I just so believe in my heart that we have to start with kids if we're going to yes. eliminate this problem for women of mm-hmm. low self-esteem, no sense of self-worth. Yep. It, those those sure. seeds are planted when we're children. And if yes. we can stop that when women are young that as they mature, they have a better chance of evolving with a sense right. of self and a sense of worth uh, that normally they don't get. And so that's why right. I think it's it's so important to start with young girls. It definitely, definitely is. I mean, yeah, we, we pick and choose our words very carefully. And I mean, I have two boys, but at the same time, they're, they're hearing it too. They're just hearing it in a different way. I think we spoke about before how I, I had run kind of a little bit of a social experiment where I was having people who were attending an event that I was running write I am statements. And I had four men, they ranged the ages and every single one of them wrote, I am strong. And every single one of them chose the blue marker. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, granted it's not a large sample size, but you know, that 
that itself in a small way was telling for me, you know, it's okay that you write something else. It's okay that you pick a different color. Mm -hmm. So I think, yes, women, we definitely need it because we have so many millions of dollars are spent every year or billions probably um, on telling us we're not worth it. But men have a different kind of battle that they're fighting. So either way. Tell me a little bit about your book project, because I think it's just fascinating how you're going to interview all these women about their personal struggles with mm -hmm. the image of being within their minds that they're mm -hmm. overweight or not pretty or challenged in some way that compromises how they've lived. Right. It's compromised their happiness, their relationships. It's compromised their careers. Tell me a little bit more about that project because it's something that's so needed. Yeah, I mean, so I'm choosing to um, interview women of all ages, all shapes and sizes. I'm staying away from the tweens just because, uh, again, to our point, that's a whole separate discussion. But um, so far, I've done about 10 or 15, and I'm asking them a set, a same set of five questions around body image with the media influence, you know, um, their first encounter with un understanding or even body awareness in general. And it's all with the intention of kind of putting together this cumulative story um, that can redefine beauty. So that, that is the working title right now, which is Redefining Beauty. Because out of all of those women, not one, when I ask them to define beauty, says anything to do with looks. You know, it's confidence. It's, you know, compassion. It's the ability to captivate a room when you walk into it. Um, none of them say, oh, blonde, tall, blue eyes, you know, size, whatever waist. Nobody's thinking that way, mainly because they have all of these stories that have come across their paths. And for me, it's interesting because not only are they, they look all different, but they're from different cultural backgrounds as well. My friend Margot, who I interviewed, she's an amazing, amazing person. She is um, Armenian and nobody ever looked like her, ever you know, in, in the, in the magazines or at school or anywhere else until the Kardashians came around. Um, and now people will literally say, oh, so you're a Kardashian. And that's how she is identified. That's how people like now say to her, she's like, I guess so, <laughs> you know, but it's, she's a different kind of beauty according to the typical model. Um, you know, and another woman I spoke with is of Asian descent. So to her, her parents viewed, you know, larger, more voluptuous as a sign of wealth because you weren't out working in the field. So she was always told to eat more and she's, you know, tiny. So it's, it's very interesting. And I think, you know, people keep asking me, well, how are you going to put it together? What's the book going to look like? And it's evolving over time as I'm collecting the data, which is, which is one of the most amazing parts of the whole thing. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Isn't that funny, you know, that your friend, oh, are you a Kardashian? You know, I mean. <laughs> oh, that's what you are as a Rick. <laughs> just lumps them all in. It's that's just, the last thing yeah. I want to be. You know, when I, was, when I was six feet tall and weighed 100 pounds, I wanted to be 5'2", with long blonde hair, blue eyes, and big boobs. And I didn't have any of that. But yeah. now I have grown into... What I am physically, but what's more important to me is what I am from my heart. Yes, absolutely. The love, the compassion, the purpose mm -hmm. that I have to serve others, 
to help women heal broken hearts, to help them reclaim their self-worth, to show them that it can happen regardless of what happens to us, regardless of the path that we travel. Our past doesn't define who we are today unless we allow it. You can be a victim the rest of your life. You can let the past dictate your future or you can embrace this present moment and create an incredible future moving forward. Absolutely. I mean, you couldn't have said it better, Mal. I mean, I've been rolling over the quote recently in my head. That's, I think, I can't remember who said it, but it's when you're going through hell, keep on going. And I want to reframe that. And I might actually write a blog about it later. When you're going through hell, stop. (laughs) Stop and take another turn or just stop and be present and, you know, really connect with yourself on what's going on or take a breath or any of that stuff because there is meaning in the hell that you're going through at some point if you're listening hard enough. Um, there's always some sort of meaning in the in lesson and everything in life. Yes. But, you know, I feel like, like to our, we were speaking about before, when you are crashing and burning, there's so many lessons on the way down <laughs> that, you know, you really need to listen to so that you can build back up all the time. I believe that these things happen to teach us something for mm-hmm. our own evolvement and expansion as human beings. Yeah. That's why absolutely. we have these challenges. Mm-hmm. And as you said, when you're in hell, recognize you're there. Yeah. Why are you there? What brought you there? And now what can you do to get out of it? Exactly. Rather than just to exactly. keep running through it. Right. I mean, I think there's, there's always been a mentality, I feel like, at least in my life, around just keep pushing through push through, run faster, push through, either run away from it or, you know, just hit harder, hit back harder. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't want to do that anymore because I don't think that's the correct approach to take. And I think a lot of people, especially nowadays, there's not, you know, quote unquote, enough time. There's a lot of obligations on a people, whether it's children or work or what it may be, and a lot of dysfunction happening that they just keep running. That's all they do is run or numb. (laughs) Well, you can't, you know, as I say, I, I have a family member that just is nonstop. And I really believe it's because you can't hit a moving target. Yeah, so, exactly. you know, <laughs> so, and <right>. so <laughs> that's the way of avoiding the pain, which you just mm-hmm. said, is to keep pushing yourself, keep going, never sit still for a minute to allow your feelings to settle in and to right. get present with them. Because when they settle, they are uncomfortable as hell. But you know what? That uncomfortable is a sign that there are amazing things to come. But you just have to push through to the, I don't want to say push through to recant what I said before, but you just have to settle into it and really feel it. And you'll be amazed on the other side of what you come out with, you know, when you do go through that pain. Uncomfortable is okay. Uncomfortable can be a great teacher. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. So where can our listeners find, find Michelle? Me? <laughs> yes. Give us <laughs> your domain, your, your Facebook, all of that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, createhonesty.com is my website and all of my social handles. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook right now. I know. I follow all... you everywhere. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I will find you. Um, so, and those are all at Create Honesty um, as well. So, Facebook.com/slash Create Honesty. 
um, you know, or Instagram, same thing, create honesty all over the place. Cause that's what I want to manifest. So. Girl, you're doing good work. Thank yeah. you you're very doing, much. You know, you're bringing a nice, nice light onto a subject that really needs to be broken open. Thank you. And brought out there just the way that movie did, you know, it and, does. and it you're does. doing the exact same work and creating a, a safe container for women to have that conversation. Right. And to pick their heads up and realize that there is more than checking off the boxes. Cause at some point you're going to be done checking off your to-do list and you're going to look around and you're probably going to say, is that it? And it doesn't have to be, you just need to make a different decision around it. It's always a pleasure. I love talking to you. We could go on forever. I know. I know. I love you too. <laughs> so thank you so much for joining me today. And I look forward to connecting with you again in the very near future. Thank you so much, Mel. Thank oh, you. Be blessed, girl. Thanks for listening to Awakening Divine Wildness. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give us is to share this podcast with a friend. And please leave a favorable review at iTunes. Be sure to visit Malduane.com for Mal's six-part video series, Heal Your Wounded Heart and Reclaim Your Worth.